0: Support for IPR comes from Des Moines Metro Opera, whose 2024 season features The Barber of Seville, Zalame, Peleus and Melisande, and American Apollo, June 28th through July 21st. Tickets available now at DesMoinesMetroOpera.org.
1: It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Most families have collections of photographs that get passed down through the generations. Often the information, history, and memories associated with these pictures can be lost through time. This hour, we'll learn about an innovative effort to collect, identify, and share Iowa's photographs. It's called Fort Upon, Iowa. That is spelled F-O-R-T-E-P-A-N, and you can find it online at fortepan.us. The project is preserving history and making thousands of pictures accessible through their online digital archive. In this hour, the people behind Fortepan, Iowa, are with me. Bettina Fabos is director. She's also professor of interactive digital studies at the University of Northern Iowa. Bettina, welcome. Hi. Also with us today, Isaac Campbell, Director of Public Outreach for Port Upon Iowa. He is also an artist and media producer who's from Ottumwa. Hello, Isaac.
0: Good morning.
1: Thank you both so much for being here today. And Bettina, the, um, I guess the, the beginning of this project actually was far, far (laughs) from Iowa. It began in Hungary. Give me a little bit of background about Fortepan.
2: Right. So uh, I was doing research in Hungary as part of a digital media project on Hungarian history. And I stumbled across Fortepan in Hungary. It's fortepan.hu. It's... um, it's based on or named after a film brand, an old film brand that was defunct in um in two thousand and one. So it's a uh, it's a a um, an, a, a wonderful um, incredible project that made me realize how the interface in an archive really matters. This project is all about, um, making images photos high resolution high resolution um, photos available um, that really focus on amateur um, amateur vernacular photography and um, I decided that this was such a great project for me as an artist working with it that I wanted to bring it home so I worked with three colleagues at the University of Northern Iowa and um, in
1: 2015 we launched Fort upon Iowa so this, archive. I mean, I, I think people are familiar with the the idea of a digital archive. But what makes this archive so special really is the interface. So when I go to fortapond.us, I can see this timeline that stretches from 1860 to 2000. And I can scroll through that timeline. And I can see all of these photos. So really for you was it the accessibility that that made this project so exciting yeah,
2: it was the accessibility and it was the openness because um, all the images are released to the Creative Commons. They're organized along a timeline. It's a beautiful way to flip from one image to the other. And unlike most archives, any archive really, I mean, the tradition of archives is to divide the collections by the collection. So you visit one collection, then you have to jump to another collection, then you have to jump to another collection and the collections don't talk to each other. And the Ford upon concept is totally different. It's jumbling all the collections so that everything from the 1930s, you know, um, from any collection is along the timeline in 1930s. So you can actually generate the history of Iowa, 1930s Iowa, just by looking at the timeline and clicking through all the 1930 photos, and then you get to 1931, and then you get to 1932, and then you can hop to 1960. So it's a really great way of immediately accessing um, Iowa history, but from an everyday Iowa people point of view. And um, that's what we love about it because it's not an official history of Iowa. It's an unofficial history, and it's a warm, happy complicated, um, really rich history of Iowa, and we think that this history is very much worth preserving and celebrating.
1: So when I look through the photos, um, I can just click through and just look at picture after picture after after picture with with no context, (laughs) but um, I can also click on the little I in the lower right-hand corner of the picture, and then I can get some information, and and the kind of information really varies from picture to picture. But most of the pictures have at least a little bit of information. So tell me about trying to collect the information along with the photographs. Sure. Um. So we
2: do everything we can to gather stories behind the the um, the images. And I'll just start by saying that the very first photos that went into the Fort upon Iowa project came from the students in my own classroom and the students in um, history professors classroom, Liesl Carr Childers. And um, these students went home to their families and their job was to gather 30 photos each and to kind of filter through their family collections and talk to their relatives about what was in the fam, what was in the pictures and what date was, you know, the date is important because if it doesn't have a date, it doesn't get to go on the timeline. So, We were just amazed at the little stories and the big stories that came out of these photos. And not only that, but the intergenerational conversations that happened, like our students told us, you know, that sometimes on some occasions they had the most magical conversations they've ever had with their uncle or their grandparent or something and we were so warmed by that because we realized that this is something that is so important for families to actually use photographs as a way to kind of access memories and and then by sharing them with the world then other people can look at Images that maybe they weren't there, but they also experienced this 4-H fair or that dance or that roller derby or something like that. And they can relate. And so it's all about stories and local history and drilling down to our own memories and that magical kind (laughs) of connection between um, memory
1: and history. So when you told your students to, to pick out 30 photographs what were the instructions? Like, what <laughs> what kind of pictures were they supposed to be looking for? That's such a good question. So we we really don't want too many portraits
2: because that's, you know, as much, as much as I love portraits, they tend to drag down the energy of the archive. And so we're really interested in images that have to do with place, that places that people can connect to. So, you know, schools and factories and, you know, farms. But we're also interested in, like, Iowa culture. So anything that can communicate, like you know um, what Iowans do, so that people can relate to them. So you know, collecting morel mushrooms, or you know, sitting in a in a truck of corn kernels, <laughs> you know, um, or you Speaking know, when you're a kid. What would you say, Isaac?
0: Fixing your car. (laughs) Fixing your car on the side (laughs)
2: of the road. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, all that stuff are, you know, on a speedway, you know, Tuna Speedway. We have a lot of pictures from from famous speedways in um, Iowa. And so place is important. Historical figures, we have, like, you know, images of – of uh, Amelia Earhart and many presidents who are passing through. But what's interesting to us is that these pictures are from the perspectives of everyday peoples who who take them as snapshots. We have some gorgeous pictures of Cedar Rapids Airport and Reagan is in the distance and the colors are so beautiful. And um, I don't know. I mean, they're just like magical moments that happen when people are like in a crowd taking um, taking photographs of famous people from their own perspective. And and then we're looking for images of like, um, like the, those images that are just gorgeous, that people may not recognize that they're gorgeous. They're just like accidentally beautiful oftentimes. And that's what you get with snapshots. I mean, people often take them and the, the way the person is I'm acting in the camera and the way that the camera is tilted sometimes creates like magic. <laughs> and so we are in love with those photos and we want to share them and celebrate them and have people discover them and be excited about them the way we are.
1: Well, we have so much more to talk about, but Isaac, I want to ask you, when did you get involved in this project?
0: Yeah. So I was aware of Fort upon when it started in 2015, um, but I really started to get involved with the project uh, in 2017 when I connected with a local donor in Atumwa who had a large collection, uh, Leanne Lemberger. <clears throat> and Leanne didn't know what to do with her late husband's massive collection of photographs that he took but also had collected. Very similar to what happened in Hungary where people found someone that would take – Take photographs and, and they would give them to this person, uh, Miklos, and, and the people who started Fort Hungary. Um, so Michael had this massive collection and uh, she didn't know what to do with it. Uh, it was too big for any local institution to take. And so we ended up brokering a, a wonderful deal between Fort upon Iowa and special collections here at the university of Iowa that took the collection. Um, but then also allowed Fort upon to come in and take and scan whatever we wanted. So that's really where my, um, passion for the project started was uh, through so this. So
1: preserving your hometown history.
0: Exactly, right? And and helping make something that's so valuable and special to my community of Ottumwa, um open to the world. Uh, we had a huge unveiling event and the entire town came out. It was a standing room only when we announced that this was happening with the collection. So uh, it it feels really good to give... <laughs> back to communities uh, in a way that, you know, takes things that are private and make them public, especially when we're talking about public history that's in these photographs.
1: Well, and, and Bettina, you mentioned um, when you first engaged with Fort Upon Hungary, that, that one of the things that, that really struck you was that all of these pictures were downloadable and available for Creative Commons. Right. So when somebody donates their collection, they are making these photos public. Is that a sticking point for some people? Um, if they don't want to, that they don't
2: have to. So right. it's sort of like, um, I feel like what we're doing is we're kind of creating a public park of images mm-hmm. that anybody can enjoy. And, um, and I think most of the time, people are just so ecstatic to see their pictures aligned with other people's from the same Decades, Sure. You know? Or so, even just to
1: think that anybody might care.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and people, like, we've had people cry over other people's photos, and we have some events. We see people who are, like, remembering their past, and they were at that Soto fountain, and that was, like, so important to them. So to us, it's about triggering stories, and it's about making sure that these stories aren't forgotten, and also just preserving these photographs before they get thrown away. So...
1: We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm talking with Bettina Fabo. She is the director of Upon Iowa. You can find this archive online at fortapon.us. and I'm going to spell that again. It's fortepa Us, So you can be checking out this timeline while we're having this conversation. Also with me, Isaac Campbell, Director of Public Outreach for Upon Iowa, and we'll continue our conversation in a moment. This is Talk of Iowa.
0: Support for IPR comes from Des Moines Metro Opera, whose 2024 season features the Barber of Seville, Zalame, Peleus and Melisande, and American Apollo, June 28th through July 21st. Tickets available now at desmoinemetroopera.org.
3: I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR, where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game, using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.
1: It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. This hour, we are talking about an innovative digital archive. It's called Fort Upon Iowa. I'm going to spell it again. It's F O R T E P A N. You can find it online at fortupon.us and it's a collection of photographs taken in Iowa by Iowans about 15,000 photos so far and it's accessible on a digital timeline stretching from 1860 to the year 2000 and it's housed at the University of Northern Iowa. With me are the people behind Fort Upon Iowa, Bettina Favos is director. She's also professor of interactive digital studies at the University of Northern Iowa. Isaac Campbell is here. He's director of public outreach. He's also an artist and media producer who's from Atamwa. And just before the break, we were talking about people really finding value in their photos in a new way because of this collection. And Isaac, can you share a little bit more about how people respond to the idea that that other people might want to look at their photos?
0: Yeah, there, there's a myth that people think that, oh, I don't know the name of this person in the photograph, or I don't know where it's from, or what, like, this doesn't seem important, so I'm just going to throw it away, right? And that's terrible. Let's dispel that myth right now. Um, a lot of people, there's a lot of value in photographs, um, whether we know all the details about them or not. That's why we have such a great network of volunteers that we're building that can help us identify pictures. And and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, there's a huge amount of value for these photographs, amateur photographs that are sitting at home in your shoe boxes or in your albums, um, that when they're combined, like they are in Fort Upon, Iowa, where they're mixed together on a timeline and they're talking with each other, um, it, it adds to the value of of each picture because you start to get this totally new experience on what history was like. And to what Bettina was saying earlier, we have a lot of people that use the archive that have an emotional experience because they see a photo of something that they remembered as a kid, but never had a photo of, or they see a picture of a main street of buildings that were once there that they remember that have now been torn down. Um, There's a lot of value in these photographs and, and we're really excited about helping people understand that and get them to donate what they think is worthless and we think is a real treasure.
1: Well, and I've mentioned the timeline that you can scroll through the timeline, but Isaac, maybe you can tell me a little bit more about other ways that you can interact with these photos, because obviously 15,000 photos in a timeline, that's a whole lot of pictures. It's a whole a lot. Timeline.
0: It's a whole lot. And you're going to need a couple glasses of wine to right. get <laughs> like get through the whole timeline. So um, we've, we've worked in a number of different um, viewing experience functions uh, that you can browse the archive. So the timeline is great um, if you really don't know what you're looking for. There's also a grid view where you can uh, see multiple images all at once and then you kind of click on them and they'll, they'll become larger. Um, but we also function in a lot of different ways that involve search. Um, so uh, you can uh, click on uh, for example a donor. And you'll be able to see all those photos that that donor um, donated. You could click on a town, say a Tumwater, or Cedar Falls, and you can see all the images that are from that town. We also have tags that are uh, subject-based. So if you're interested in pictures of tractors, you can click on the tractor and see all the pictures in the archive of tractors. So once you start browsing... Uh, Time will fly by and you'll say, where did the last two hours go? I was just looking at pictures of tractors and then farms <laughs> and then, you know, this town. It's it's interesting because I think we, we think a lot. We, we don't always think about timelines. Um, but we do think categ- some people think categorically and that's something that this does really, really well and how you'll lose track of where you are because you go in looking for one thing and then you realize, oh, I didn't think I could search for that. Um, and then you end up going from topic to topic to topic.
1: Well, and Bettina, you were talking earlier about um, not necessarily wanting portraits. Of course, a lot of us take portraits. That's what we want. The pictures of our family members. Um, so tell me just a little bit more about the the kinds of photos that you're looking for, because there are pictures probably that would have a lot of value to a family, but then there are other pictures that, that would be more valuable to the public. Right. So
2: we do love portraits, um, but we have to fall in love with a portrait for it to be in the archive, or there has to be something that the person is wearing that is, or their hairstyle maybe um that is what that speaks what speaks to can history deem. and yeah. culture and and that we think that would this be good in a classroom would it you know when if a kid downloads this image could they do something creative with it or something like that so that's kind of how we judge portraits but the other stuff, you know, um, we have a lot of images buildings, you know, because we think buildings are really important. We have a project, like a side project, we're developing through grant funding called Main Street 360. And um, this is a like a virtual walkthrough um application that is like kind of like Google historical Street view that we're developing we're using you as our prototype our next stops are going to be anamosa and Atumwa because those <laughs> those are we have such an extraordinary amount of Main Street photos from those two towns so we're developing the capability to Um, walk through each decade so we are matching the photos to the same exact perspective of like where the building or people in front of the building was was taken and so we're creating like recreating like 1920s you and I and we will be creating like 1920s animosa 1930s animosa we want to show you know animosa Citizens that are community members that elephants were walking down Main Street in the in the 1900s. A whole bunch, like 23 elephants. We have (laughs) images of this, you know, from a a um, a circus parade. You know, so I swear. Fascinating.
0: When I visit another town, I have seen more and more like pictures of elephants walking down streets, and I, I think how did they get that picture of Animosa? Like now I just any elephants walking down the street I think of Animosa, <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you're you're starting to see the world in a, in a whole different way. Yeah. So yeah. I I do. I'm sure people are already wondering um, how they can get involved and if you have questions you can call us at 866-780-9100. You can send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org and so you know if, if somebody has a collection and they think these photos should be part of Fort Upon, Iowa. Bettina, what do they do? So um, the first thing they should do is contact
2: me um, and our organization um, at the University of Northern Iowa. We have... um, contact information on our website on fortapond.us. And there's a little, um, on the upper right-hand corner, there's these three bars. And you click on the bars to access this menu. And one of the menu items is contribute. So um, you can just look at the directions on the contribute page. And it it tells, um, you know, uh, some instructions about what what we are looking for, like we're looking for images of place and historical significance and images of cultural significance, that kind of thing. Um, So it's really easy to contribute if you, you know, are near Cedar Falls and where UNI is located and we can have like a kind of drop off or something. Um, uh, Oftentimes we ask people to drop off collections at the University of Northern Iowa Rod Library. Um, We have... um, 10 interns, history interns this semester, more than I've ever had. It's just great. Um, And they're scanning photographs and they're learning what a high resolution scan is and they're collecting metadata. And they're in some cases, um, I've got these history students who are getting pretty good about dating images according to what people are wearing and according to like cars. We use cars as a a good way, cars in the background to understand like what, um, what, year a photo is approximately. So it doesn't have to be perfect. Nothing about this archive is perfect. We're always a work in progress. And um, we do try to gather information about the images, but people can add those afterwards. Like we make a contributor a... an ad- administrator, like a guest administrator, they can go into the site and they can add information, um, even dates, if they think about it later, um, or correct something that is incorrect. And there's an area that I love, instead of description, which is very formal, it's about what most archives have, they're much more serious than we are. Ours is just comments. And we're just like, we welcome any kind of comments. Like when my students were writing their comments, they were like, this is my grandpa. <laughs> I mean, like in in first person is just fine with us. We just mm-hmm. want to create a kind of a conversational, um, like community-minded community minded um, uh platform that is really friendly and that makes people
1: want to um, share and to connect with. So (laughs) while we're talking, I'm imagining the boxes in my parents' attic, and I'm thinking about the incredible archive that my uncle has. And I mean, I feel like a tsunami is coming toward you because every (laughs) person who's listening is probably thinking the same way. Is that a little overwhelming? To th- I mean, how how can you handle the photographs of Iowans? How many how many photos can you put in your archive? <laughs> so we have a plan. I mean, okay. bring
0: it on. I, yeah, so <laughs> we're ready.
2: <laughs> it's like you know, we can of course. Um, you and I is is such a great partner with us, and so we can handle you know millions of images. But and that's really the goal. But what's really exciting is that we're creating more and more partnerships with public libraries, and mm-hmm. there really are our best friends, our best partners. They're kind of an extension of the archive. And we are going to be meeting with Coralville Public Library um, today. And one of the things that we're really, really proud of in our work through the the back end and through uh, imagining how this platform can be of use to Iowans writ large is um, we tried to figure out uh, how to distribute this archive so that it would be more and more meaningful to people, not that people would just have to always go to us to find the photos and then go to their town and like find the Cedar Falls photos or find the Coralville photos by clicking. And, and you can easily find those images. But one of the things that we um, tried to think about um, and we managed to figure out is this idea of embedding an entire filtered version of the platform into another Library's website or any kind of cultural institution. So our goal, of course is always to share. Everything is free. So now we're finding a way to share the actual platform. and if anybody is familiar with how easy it is to embed a YouTube video or a Google map where where it's kind of like the Google map is customized, you you locate the you know the parameters of the map and then you drop it into your website. We're doing the same for um, for upon U.S. So you can take any version of the archive. You can drill it down to all the images of Atomwa, for example. And then two lines of code. That's amazing. Thank you to Jonathan Voss, our backend developer, who's such a genius. And he has figured out how to distill this entire platform, which has all the capabilities: flipping through the timeline, going from grid view to timeline view, searching, going to the info, um, clicking on info, and downloading images. All these capabilities are at any cultural institution across Iowa's fingertips. And we are just so happy to be able to share this. And um, you're not seeing it yet, but all those embed, like, immediate code is going to be on the front end,
1: like in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so. All right. Well, so I'm, I'm looking at the Washington Public Library right now, and, and right. they mm-hmm. they have this already in progress where I can just scroll through photos from Washington, Iowa. Isaac, what did you want to add?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say that we really understand this expansion of Fort Upon, Iowa in a collaborative sense with these libraries, with these communities that we're building relationships with. Um, we, we see that at some point uh, photos are not going to just all come to uh, the University of Northern Iowa for scanning. We're going to set up scanning hubs at different libraries. We're going to educate people of all ages how to do this in their own communities by finding people that are passionate about local history and giving them the tools to then set up their own scanning hub. Um, That way and, and have community tagging groups that get together that that help to build the archive from these communities because we know across Iowa there are people that are so passionate about local history and and this idea we've got the tools and the knowledge to share uh, and and we really see this not as something that we and and student interns are going to be able to accomplish ourselves this is something that we want um, really connected community members who, who value local history to say, that sounds like something fun. I'd like to organize and work with my pu- public library or other memory institutions to set up.
1: So there are also institutions that have collected you know photos of their particular institution through time. And we were just, uh, we just celebrated the 100th anniversary of WOI and WSUI, which are part of Iowa Public Radio. So we have a photo archive. Mm -hmm. Are you also looking for things like that to include in Fort upon?
0: Absolutely. And I think that reinforces Bettina's point about how valuable this embedding feature is, is that we can take a collection from an institution and give them the entire platform to then make that collection available on their own website. So you don't have to come to Fort Upon Iowa to see the photos from the the Story County History Museum. You can go to the Story County History Museum website and see uh, all those photos there. Um, so, I think that that makes it a really valuable opportunity for institutions where they may, uh, you know, at first wonder why the public would be interested in their photos. But I think there's a lot more incentive there because they can now put something on their website that draws web traffic and, and brings people closer to their wonderful photographic assets. And they're not sitting in a shoebox.
1: Right. Well, okay. I, I, I already asked <laughs> this, but I'm going to ask it again. How big can Ford upon Iowa get? millions really yeah we, I mean yeah
0: we have an incredible back-end um, development team we've got great resources at you and I um, I mean really it's limitless I think Bettina
2: yeah and I I just think that the way you can organize the archive in so many different ways we just really see the whole idea of just decentralization like we want to have towns and public libraries feel like they have a sense of ownership of this archive. So right now, people still identify the archive with me as the director, you know, and I I want to dispel that I just want to like, like push the ownership out to everyone who feels strongly about local history. And also just say, so many people post Nostalgic and uh, historical photographs on Facebook. There's like a I love a Tamwa. Right. There's like, a you know, if you love Cedar Falls, there's so many like local Facebook groups. And there's this energy there and this need for sharing. And we're hoping to help people put that energy into a more permanent place because the Facebook feed, I mean, you can't find that image very easily. Anymore, and also Facebook crushes the image itself. It just right. compresses it into a very low quality image when you upload it, so you're not preserving it in any way. But that conversation is what we're hoping to generate, and you know, people um, who need company or want something to do on a on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, we're trying to create these. Community scanning and di- and dating and tagging clubs, mm-hmm. so that people can be really uh, excited about sharing
1: what is meaningful to their particular community. We're going to take another short break. We'll be back in just a moment. I am talking with Bettina Fabo, she is director of Fort upon Iowa. Isaac Campbell is here, director of public outreach for Fort upon Iowa. You can find this photo archive online at fortapon.us. That's F O R T E P A N.us and we will talk more in just a moment. This is Talk of Iowa. And memories. Christmas cards you sent to me all oh, that I have these to remember you
3: I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light QA, but on Wildcard we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.
1: It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. This hour, we are talking about an online digital archive of photographs from Iowa history. 1860 through 2000. You can find that timeline and that archive at fortepan.us. That's F O R T E P A N.us. It is an archive housed at the University of Northern Iowa, and the people behind this project are here with me. Bettina Favos is director, and Isaac Campbell is director of public outreach. And uh, before the break, we were talking about the kinds of photographs you're collecting and, and how people can get involved in this project. And A lot of people, when they look at their collections of photos, you know, the things that we tend to take pictures of are the special moments. I think you in particular would really like the non-special moments, the things that really speak to culture and history. But, you know, a a lot of us, of course, really focus our photo-taking energy on family vacations Mm -hmm. and things like that. I mean, Isaac, that's something that is a part of your collection and and maybe is a springboard.
0: Yeah. So the the travel photos have been really interesting Um, um, and it, there's been something really beautiful come out of them, um, because traveling is really part of Iowa's identity, uh, or my identity as an Iowan. You know, we're in the middle of everything, so we we travel places, and so we have a lot of really great travel photos. But as we've kind of been experiencing, as you go along the timeline, it can be really jarring to be in Iowa all the time, and then all of a sudden you're in Montana. Like there are no mountains there. What like right. they're there strange. Lots,
1: I saw lots of South Dakota pictures.
0: They're, yeah, they're strange. <laughs> and so uh, we've been trying to figure out this way of how do we how do we make the the experience better, um, but still utilize the uh, the, his, the the traveling photos. And that set up the precedent for this expansion that we're undergoing um, with different states, particularly Connecticut, where we're going to set up the framework so that these other states other institutions and in other states can set up their own statewide photoponds and the cool thing is when they start we're going to give them a batch of photographs that were taken in their state that we've collected from Iowa and certainly there's probably going to be some some photos taken in Iowa that come from other states so it's going to be this huge web of of pictures that really started from people's um travel photos but I think Bettina is really excited to share about the the expansion that's coming with this new partner of
1: ours. Absolutely. And and we're going to bring on uh Greg Colladiant here in just a moment, but before we do, um tell me a little bit about this because obviously you have been focused on Iowa, but you're developing a system that will allow every state to to create their own FortUpon, right? Exactly. So, we
2: knew this from the beginning. I mean, we chose the URL fortupon.us because we knew that we were going to be somehow expanding at some point and that Iowa was always our prototype. And we wanted to prove... The concept, as well as we could before we were ready to jump to this idea of expansion, but that's happening now. And I mentioned Jonathan Voss earlier, but he is just the mastermind of figuring out how to um, create different instances of FordUpon.us, Us first hosted by us, but we're going to generate um, a series of connected servers and. Fort upon Connecticut is going to be our first experiment in that direction. And for, Greg will explain that his um, institution will have full administrative control. They're ha- they're in charge of Fort upon Connecticut, but our archives are going to be speaking to each other in really beautiful ways.
1: Well, let's bring Greg into the conversation. Greg Colla is director of the Connecticut Digital Archive housed at the University of Connecticut. and, as you just said, is working with Fort upon Iowa to make this archive more accessible. Hello, Greg.
4: Hi Charity, how are you doing today?
1: Good, thank you so much for being here today. So, tell me what got you excited about what's going on at Fort Upon Iowa? Well, the CTDA is
4: organization. We have about eighty members across the state who are interested in preserving and making available Connecticut's digital cultural heritage. And while our members have contributed literally hundreds of thousands of images. We've been at this for 10 years. Uh, Not many of them document everyday life. And the things that they're talking about about documenting everyday life is something that is missing from the CTDA experience. Um, We're especially concerned about some of the things you talked about a few minutes ago, the images of daily life in the recent past, the sort of thing that is captured on your smartphone and shared by social media. Media. The problem with those memories is that they won't be in a closet 50 years from now uh, to digitize. So we wanted to begin to collect these future histories today. And uh, we got a grant from Connecticut Humanities to start a program called My Town, My Story, which is very much like Fort Upon Iowa, even though we didn't know anything about Fort Upon Iowa at the time. <laughs>
1: So, so when you Library. discovered Fort Upon, Iowa, did you think, oh, this, this is the answer to, to what well, are, we've been looking for?
4: Uh, absolutely. I mean, the CTDA has a, is a public interface, but it's very kind of library-like, and it's not particularly engaging to casual people. And so we wanted a way to engage people who are interested in interacting with these memories uh, in a way that was... Um, Yeah, that would pull them in, you know, suck them down the rabbit hole and spend two hours, like Bettina was talking about. And we heard about FortiPen at a conference last spring, and we said, yes, this is the kind of thing that we want to engage people with. So we contacted Bettina, who at the same time was uh, seeking partners beyond Iowa, and then we started talking and said, hey, this is a great thing. So, uh, yeah, we got grant money, and uh, we're going to see how this goes.
1: Well, that's so exciting, and Bettina. I mean, this is—it's not. This is not a simple thing to do. (laughs) I mean, you make it—you make it sound like maybe, oh, because we have you know this great interface, it's an easy thing. But this is an incredible amount of archived material and a whole lot of computer code and a whole lot of storage. So, what goes into this process? Um, It's lots of meetings um, with
2: people who are incredible. I have to say. I mean. I have a really wonderful back-end developer, Jonathan, um, who is uh, just uh, – he always thinks maybe 10 steps ahead of everybody else about what is needed. And um, and by the way, the, the site is just a little glitchy right now if you happen to go to it. We're smoothing it out. We have um, – created some new capabilities that have complicated the code. So it's like, sometimes there's like growing pain. So I hope your audience is like, patient with that. But um, so there's like, a whole bunch of colleagues at UNI who are involved in this project, too. So it's, it's not just me, I, you know, I am kind of an energizer bunny to bring people together. But at the same time, there's like Noah Doley, who's the art professor, and he's a curator. And there's um, all sorts of library faculty who are involved, and there's people in history who are involved, and there's people in geography who are involved. There's a whole GeoTree center that is sort of like um, helping us develop the mapping component, mapping tools, which are coming, and it's really exciting um, to be able to geolocate on a map. So um, all of these capabilities are not at this, you know, available at the snap of the fingers. They take a lot of work and a lot of thinking. And I have to say, the beautiful design is from my Incredible colleague Dana Potter, who has you know taken some of her research time and you know creative energy to design um, a beautiful interface for us, and so um, working all that through um, is is hard, but it's also such a public good. It's like what universities are so good at, and the fact that UNI is a regional institution and um, and gathers so many. Um, I don't know, so much energy from students who really see why this is connected to them and their families that it's easy to keep it going. I have, I mentioned 10 interns. I've never had more than 10 history interns before. So, like, the Energy behind their work is very exciting to me, and I'm um, just hoping to connect with more libraries, just like Greg is going to be collecting, connecting with. I think it's 176 libraries you have um, access to in um, Connecticut to, um, to
1: spread. <laughs> You're hoping to get them all. Yes. Yeah, Greg, that sounds like you've got you've got your work cut out for you, and it's very exciting. Thank you so much for talking with us today. It's my pleasure, and thank you for inviting me. Greg Kalati is director of the Connecticut Digital Archive housed at the University of Connecticut. And before we run out of time, I want to talk about now, you know, we've been focusing on this digital archive. We've been focusing on ways people can get involved with their family photos. But Isaac, one of your focuses is, is getting beyond the archive, bringing these photos into the community in some, some really creative ways. And uh, one of those ways is with a, like a temporary mural. Tell me about the work.
0: Yeah. So wheat pasting is something that I was introduced to uh, by Bettina um, with a, a video of a French street artist named JR. Um, and essentially the idea is that you uh, print images on paper and then you make a glue out of flour, water and sugar. And then you start putting these images up Wherever. It, traditionally, wheat pasting has always been used for uh, protest or uh, community organization um, because you could put it up fast and get out before the police came, um, which was ironic because that's how my time in wheat pasting started when I was in Hungary was running around putting these wheat paste posters up as part of my, my Fulbright uh, <laughs> okay. research project. Um but when I, w- when I was in Europe learning how to do this, um, I had the opportunity to uh, volunteer for one of JR's massive installations in Paris at the Louvre. Uh, so that, there I really learned a sense of how to organize these things. And um, when I came back to the U.S., I was uh, at UNI working on my master's and started to really figure out how to use wheat pasting art – and these photographs from Fort Upon, Iowa as a community art event. So last year, or or, uh, no, two years ago, um, gosh, time flies, uh, we were putting up Fort Upon, Iowa Pictures as part of an Iowa Arts Council grant uh, in different communities that we were partnering with for their libraries. So Anamosa, Atumwa, Cedar Falls, Webster City, uh, and it was a huge success. We had a huge community buy-in, and it was so successful that we're continuing to do it now. So we've got a couple projects. We're meeting with Coralville, uh, today to talk about some wheat pasting for the 150th anniversary of their community, which is coming up. Um, We've got a huge collaboration with Ragbri to celebrate the 50th anniversary with uh, bicycle images all the way across the state following the route. That's been funded, again, by the Iowa Arts Council, so they love what we're doing. Um, And I've actually had the opportunity to go uh, international with some wheat pasting projects. Uh, I just got back from Honduras where I did a a – A project to promote a film. Um, And most notable, I think, was some work I did in D.C., which highlighted the uh, hostage and wrongful detainee crisis.
2: I will add that these wheat pastes are huge. I mean, they can be huge. They can be filling up the entire side of a building. So they... Pack a punch and they bring the archive to the streets and yeah. they're they warm up a building and they're really fun and they sort of slowly deteriorate. over. I was time. just going to
1: ask how long do they usually last? Yeah,
0: that's that's my favorite question because I have no idea. Uh, you know, <laughs> it sometimes it's, it's a few months. Sometimes it's over a year. Sometimes it's two. I mean, it's, it's surprising how resilient the things are. But. Um, but I think what's most important is not that the art is permanent, right? I think a lot of times we think of art as needing to be something permanent because it's an investment, right? This is all about getting communities excited about history, getting them outside, doing things together, and making art together that means something, um, that speaks to their community, their history, and also uh, everybody can, can create art. Uh, it's it's really the most fulfilling um, thing I, I could think of doing right now is working with people and helping them feel inspired.
1: I, there's so much more that we can talk about, um, but we are going to run out of time. So I, I do want to return to the partnerships that you're developing with local libraries. So this is a real opportunity for people to to get involved, to scan their photos, to share these family memories. You have a series of um, programs coming up, a series of conversations coming up at the Cedar Falls Public Library beginning this weekend. There's one on January 29th at 2 p.m. And now these are not not so much um bringing new photographs in, but really sharing some of the photographs that you have. Bettina, tell me what the goal is with those programs?
2: Well, I think we're trying to model like what is possible with these photos. And, you know, there's all these themes that are emerging, really fantastic themes. And w- one of the themes um, that we love is um, mid-century design. And we're working with local experts from Cedar Falls, um, Ann Eastman, who owns Miss Wonderful, and Sally Timmer, who's just passionate about mid-century design kitchens and refrigerators. And um, she just loves the, the design. And, um, and so, we're inviting people to join a conversation that they will lead and they're going to show the photographs that we have in the archive that speak to all these cool curtains and sofas and kitchen cabinets and refrigerators, appliances, that kind of thing. And they're, they're just going to talk and it's going to be more like um, a memory sharing, but also people are going to learn a little bit about patterns and choices and shapes and why lamps were a certain way. And it's just, it's it's like, Everybody has an expertise in something, and yeah. um, next month it's going to be about fish. <laughs> so we're hoping nice. even to get like eighth, you know, eight-year-olds to come and identify what is a what is a pike and what is a bass <laughs> and what is a crawfish and craw, you know, that, catfish. That um, adds
0: so much. Uh, value to the archive because we have so many pictures that we're not experts in fish but we know they're out there and so uh, we tag the photos fish but we don't know what kind so right. in working with these uh, local experts and people who know what they're talking about more than we do uh, you know they can come in and and add and contribute through the tagging um, to those photos to make it that much more detailed and and nuanced and and um, really valuable
1: all right we only have a minute left, but I want to ask each of you this question. So, if I were going to go down a rabbit hole and search one search term, <laughs> which one would you pick? Because there's so much good stuff. I'm looking at a photo of the building of the state penitentiary in Anamosa, which is just mind boggling. But okay, what what rabbit hole do you think uh, do you think we should go down, Patina? Oh my gosh! Well. Uh- I love images of windows
2: for some reason. I'm sort of like collecting my favorite windows. And and what you can do is you can actually save the images to your own customized list. So you can – I have a list called Hidden in the Bushes because I'm drawn to images from the 1900s. It was a thing where people hid behind bushes. So, nice.
1: Nice. I love that. Okay. Isaac. Uh,
0: uh, trains. I'm a sucker for trains. The, the train photos we have are really great. And I want more. Um, really Looking at the categories is so much fun. 5,000. <laughs> There's
2: 5,000 tags.
0: 5,000 tags. You will find something that – Triggers your imagination, your memories, and then you'll find out that you've lost an entire day.
1: All right. Well, I, I can't wait to spend more time with this. Isaac Campbell, thank you very much. Thank you. And Bettina Favos, thank you very much. Thank you much. so much, Charity. We've been talking about Upon Iowa. It is a digital archive, photos along a timeline. Right now, 15,000 photos, but many, many more to come. You can search through the archive at fortepan.us. That's F O R T E P A N. Dot U.S. Talk of Iowa is produced by Samantha McIntosh, Danny Gear, and Caitlin Troutman. I'm Charity Nebby. This is Talk of Iowa.